What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Sober Plug Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Duffy. Hope everybody is having a great day. Something that I wanted to discuss on today's podcast, which is extremely important, is identifying your triggers. And this could be different from person to person, but the truth of the matter is, is that no matter what, when we get caught up in our addiction, there are certain triggers, there are certain things, there are certain patterns that end up contributing to uh, the cycle of our of our usage, you know, uh, whether you're getting high or drinking, it really doesn't matter. Uh, this is the truth for any type of addiction, um, whether it be shopping, sex, food addiction, whatever the case may be. Identifying your triggers is crucial in order to actually implementing change because we need to address the things that are contributing to our subconscious mind uh, that we see every single day, you know, so uh, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you three different things uh, to think about when you think about what your triggers are, and how we can deal with them moving forward, and what we can do to either avoid them, or handle them in, in the right way. Or being able to, if we can't avoid them and we still struggle with them, at least having some type of uh, uh, support, some type of outlet in, in order to face these things. So something that I like, I did for myself early on in my recovery, when I was identifying my triggers, I mean, there's quite obvious ones. <laughs> I mean, there's some things that really don't take much thought, uh, obviously, you know, money is a trigger. Um, seeing seeing drugs or seeing alcohol would be an obvious trigger, right? Those are those are pretty. Those don't even really need to be stated. But I think something that can be very beneficial for you is separating them into three different categories, and that is people, places, and things. When you separate these three categories, you kind of get to focus on what types of people in my life are representative of of my addiction or contribute to that or um, feed into that. And so for me, it was really obvious the people in my life that were triggers for me and, and ended up bringing me back to getting high and partying and drinking one of the most obvious ones for me is was clearly my my old friends you know the people that I got high with and then I partied with and it's it's pretty obvious about why you know we end up becoming the average of the five people that we spend our, the most time with so i was i was always hanging out with people that were getting high i mean because that was what i did you know what i mean so most of us have a certain crew or certain people that they use and party with. Now, the difficult thing with this is these could be people that you're very close with. You know, it's sometimes this was really difficult for me to draw a line because a lot of people in my life I truly did care about, right? Even if we were doing some some uh, some grimy things together and we weren't exactly it wasn't exactly a healthy relationship by any means but you still form bonds with these people some closer than others you know what I mean and 
something that I really struggled with was, well, a lot of the people in my life that were contributing to my addiction, they were also there supporting me in a, in a positive way too, which kind of threw me for a loop, right? Because I think it's really easy to disconnect from people that maybe don't treat us right. We know are toxic to us, but we just can't, we just can't separate because we're in the cycle of addiction or whatever it is that we're doing. But the thing that really threw me for a loop was that a lot of my, I shouldn't say a lot. I should say, I should say a select few of my friends that I was getting high with and partying with, they actually were there for me when I was in rehab, when I was in jail and, you know, showing up and putting money on my books and coming to visit me. And, and so it was difficult to separate myself from these people because even though I knew they weren't right for me, I still had a real bond with them, of course, over the years. And I do remember the times that even when I was at my low points, although they certainly contributed to it as well, they were also there for me in a, um, in a roundabout way. So anyway, people, so toxic friends, people that we got high with, uh, this could be family, family members. This is really difficult too. Obviously we cannot choose our family members, right? But we can choose the people that we spend our time with. And the fact of the matter is, is that addiction, addiction thrives in families. It's usually, if you got one person in the family, usually it's somewhere else as well. in in our family tree somewhere so a lot of times it's a addiction or alcoholism is a family disease you know whatever you want to call it and so if we are living with with family members and they're obvious triggers for us we got to do something in order to get ourselves out of that situation as uh, swiftly and quickly as possible so family members can definitely be a part of that in a major way. Obvious thing, right? Another another obvious uh, person in, in the people category would be dealers. I mean, this is pretty pretty blatantly obvious, right? Um, dealers and people that are bad influences. Maybe you might even have people in your life that you didn't really get high with, but they're just bad influences. We all know, we all know those types of people. I was, I was that person. (laughs) So I I was that person for a lot of people. I was not a good influence. You know, I just, I was constantly getting in trouble and and I was just that kid, you know, I was a troublemaker. So, um, we do have some of those people in our, in our lives who are bad influences on us. They impact our decision-making. They might be a good time, but <laughs> there's a reason why they're a good time and, and we don't make the smartest decisions with these people. And it's really important in recovery because recovery is about changing who you are, changing your attitudes and behaviors. And if we're going to continue to hang around the same types of people doing the same nonsense, the same type of stuff, it ain't going to work out for us. It's really about changing who who we are, not just what we're doing. Putting down the drink or the drug is one thing, but if you don't change who you are, it's just going to be a matter of time before you end up going back to those old behaviors. You know what I mean? So bad influences. Who are people that are just not healthy for you? You got to cut them out. Um, 
as fun as they might be. Um, and, and another thing you could put under this is is your contacts. Who, what people are in your contacts that you, you need to just get rid of? You know, you need to block. Um, and you could also put social media accounts as well with with this. Maybe people that you don't know personally, but who on social media do you follow that clearly doesn't serve a good purpose for you? These are important. These really are because it could be as simple as you're having a rough day, a couple things don't go well, and now you're on social media, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, whatever the case may be, and you come across a certain account that is exposing something to you that you really have no business looking at and is doing nothing positive for you. And this could trigger just a thought. You feed into the thought, and before you know it, your uh, your bad day is getting drastically worse because now you're really romanticizing and focusing on something that you have no business uh, looking at. You know, so um, that is for people. That is the people category. The next thing is places. Another obviously big important thing to think about is what are the places where they um, they were a trigger to you. Now, an obvious one, right, would be would be the bar. Obviously, you go to the bar to hang out and drink. Now, if you're gonna if you're thinking, um, you know, I'm sober, I, I got a week clean, or you know, a couple days, a couple weeks, a couple months, whatever the case may be, but I could still go to the bar and hang out and see what's going on. I mean, listen, you're putting yourself in a bad spot. You're putting yourself in a bad position. That is not a winning formula. But this type of shit happens when you have an addictive personality and an addictive mindset because it waits. Our addiction is pretty strong. It waits until it gets us in a, in a spot and it makes us vulnerable. Like, oh, I can, I can go to the bar. You know, we always have, a lot of us have those thoughts. Oh, I can go to the bar. I can hang out with this person. I could do this. I could do this thing. I'm sober. What's the big idea? You know, what's the big deal here? And uh, and by putting yourself in these spots, you really leave yourself exposed and, and vulnerable. It's just not a winning formula. It's just not how, um, it's just not the smart decision to make. But it's very easy to justify these poor behaviors in our mind, right? Um, so places, uh, maybe certain houses, obviously, um, certain houses, certain roads that you drive by, just that alone. Let's say you got a plug on a certain road and you drive by their house on your way to work or whatever the case may be. Just that thought alone of it being familiar territory, that can 100% be a trigger, no doubt about it. Now, you might have been having a fine day and everything was good, but just passing that street or that area can make your thoughts kind of go back to an old pattern. It happens it happens very very fre- frequently. I mean, this happens to most people. And you just don't think about it when you don't prepare for it. So um your home, your apartment, that might even be a trigger. Certain rooms of your house, certain um certain chairs. Like seriously, it's just that it's that specific. You really got to get specific about what it is that can trigger these thoughts because later on I'm going to go over what it is that we could do about them. Um, festivals, concerts, clubs, weddings, all of these places where 
you know, there, there's high energy of uh, high, and, a, and a big majority of people are either getting high or drinking. I mean, this is probably not the best place to be going early in your recovery, especially at least without support or letting people know about it. Now, I want to be clear. We don't get sober to avoid <laughs> things in life. You know what I mean? And so when I, I'm here, I am, I'm thinking of festivals, concerts, weddings and clubs. And, and I, I don't want people to think that you get sober to be a boring square because it's certainly not the case. What I'm trying to focus on here is focusing on the things that are triggering to you early on in your sobriety because there could be a point in time where these places aren't a big deal to go to and where you'll be able to handle them in the appropriate way. But you really have to understand that your mind is not your friend in early recovery. Um, Our mind is very cunning and baffling when trying to overcome certain addictions. And so you need to be, you need to understand that these places that hold certain memories for you and, and were representative of certain times that they're not your friend. These are not places of high value to you right now, no matter what. I mean, this could even be you know, the ballpark, even if you're, if you're a sports fan, let's say you love going to a game, maybe you did a lot of drinking at, at, uh, some baseball games or football games. These are all places that can definitely be triggering in the beginning. And like I said, this does not mean that these, this isn't a life sentence, you know, that you can never go to a wedding again, or you can't go to a concert. I mean, that's ridiculous. Of course you can, but you really want to be mindful early on that this might not be the best scenario for you and that's okay it's really good to have it's better to be safe than sorry i'll tell you what i remember i went to a wedding um i think i was i think i was about three months clean two or three months clean and i went to a wedding and i wasn't gonna miss it you know what i mean like i i was very close with with the woman who was getting married she was like a sister to me you know so there was no way i was gonna miss it and I thought I was going to be fine. I was very confident. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't think anything bad was going to happen. And I was feeling really good about where I was in sobriety. I told my, I told my support network, you know what I mean? I had people that were aware of my situation, where I was going, what I was getting into. I even prepared for it, you know? And, uh, and I remember, and mind you, drinking wasn't even a big thing for me. I, I was much more of a dry goods guy, you know, and pills and, substances of course drinking is in my story but i really wasn't a um drinking was definitely down the list of problems for me it it was definitely more of the dry goods so i remember i went to this wedding and i must have smoked (laughs) i must have smoked a, a pack of cigarettes in like in like a seven hour span you know what i mean i was just i was so stressed and so um, and, and trust me, the, the, these weren't even people, this is the funny part. They, they weren't even people that I got high with like at all, you know what I mean? Or partied with. These were actually people that, um, I knew from when I was young and that were honestly good influences for me. And so that's the funny part. Like it doesn't even necessarily need to be, um, you know, weddings weren't a big, uh, trigger for me that I thought about. 
You know what I'm saying? Because I wasn't a big drinker. It wasn't like I got wasted at weddings all the time, you know? And this was one of those times where just being in that environment where I, where I knew that there was an open bar, I knew that people were having a good time. Like people should, people should have a good time at weddings and let loose and drink. And and there's plenty of people that could do that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it did trigger something in me where I was like, damn, like, you know, um, you know, life wasn't bad. You know what I mean? I was doing well in sobriety, but it's still, it still messed with my head a little bit. I wasn't fully comfortable with my environment. And, and like I said before, like the people were good people, right? Like they weren't bad influences on me, but it's, it's still, it's a tricky thing. Things in, in early recovery can be very tricky. So these are things you got to keep in mind. Um, and then the last category is things. Now this could be, I mean, really anything, right? sounds like you know music what certain music you listen to when you were getting high that might be something you might not want to listen to right now you might want to change up your your taste in music because it might be there might be it might be more of a trigger for you than anything else this happens to a lot of people just a certain song alone can bring back a lot of emotion. I mean, when you think about it, music is extremely emotional. We, we develop certain attachments to, to music. And so this is a big one. Um, and then you got other things like household items. Uh, needless to say, like spoons, straws. For me, tinfoil was a big one. That was a huge one. I rem- I'll never forget. It. I remember, I think I was, li- I was just getting sober. I was living with my mom. I think my mom was making something right and she pulled out tin foil and she pulled out she pulled out a sheet of foil i was like oh shit <laughs> oh, my my heart rate picked up i like it was crazy you know what i mean it, it was just so unexpected and um for obvious reasons right i mean i used a lot of tin foil um for dry goods obviously and, and so it brought me right back you know what i mean and it's just it could be that quick like snap of a finger just like that and your mind starts going to the gutter you know and so so uh, what's some other things certain smells right there might be certain cleaners and cleaning products that remind you of certain substances or um an item like money of course money is a huge one for obvious reasons we are not a lot of us are not capable of maybe being in charge of our own finances in the beginning because we're just we do not have a healthy relationship with finances and and cash um cash is is not your friend early in in recovery at least i will say that was for me and for a lot of people that i know you kind of have to if you can't have people that are in charge of your finances, at least have people that are aware and be able to set something up in your account where if you're if you're working, you get direct deposit, or maybe you get certain X amount of dollars that get put in into different things immediately. They get automatically taken out because you really don't want to be in, in in charge of a lot of finances early on. I think I think that's a smart idea is to prepare for that. Um, and then when you got to, and then some more things, right? Like something I talked about a little bit with people is certain social media accounts, whether it be following specific people or maybe social media in general, maybe going online is not 
your uh, in your best interest because these certain things again remind us of our using or we're watching people that are using and talking about it. I highly suggest you unfollow um, people that aren't going to do anything positive for you you know this is something that is really important um and then you got things like which is a little bit different is is specific emotions you know specific feelings for instance anger was a big one for me i really needed to be careful with my anger and where what i was what my outlets were going to be. I needed to have outlets for when I got angry because I did a lot of dumb shit when I was angry. You know, that was a big one for me. And usually what anger boils down to is fear. Uh, I'm not really going to get into that right now, but usually when you're angry about something, usually fear is underneath that. But regardless, you got to think about what emotions get you fired up in in a bad way in a negative way how do you respond to certain emotions um boredom a lot of people talk about boredom and and not and having a lot of idle time idle times devil's playground it's a saying i always like you know um gotta stay gotta stay busy and so emotions like anger loneliness resentment sadness these these things we need to be prepared for. So these these are the three things that I that I would like you to really write down and break up your identifying your triggers into people, places, and things. And then some questions that you can ask yourself is: Now that you have a list of these things, what are you going to do to avoid these triggers? Make a list of a bunch of things that you can actually avoid. What are the things I can definitely remove from my life or put myself in the best position to not have to face, uh, at least on a daily basis? Maybe some things you can't completely avoid, but what are the things that you can at least, uh, to the best of your ability, avoid? And what I mean mean by that, for instance, okay, let's say tinfoil, for uh, example, was something that I needed to address. You know, I told my mom, right? And... And so she was aware of it. So I didn't have to get that thought. I didn't have to get that emotion. Right. And, and I didn't, you know, I, I didn't visually see it. I, she was aware of my situation with it. So that's one way of dealing with it. It was a way for me to avoid it. Um, how can you avoid, you know, obviously you don't need to be going to the bar. You don't need to be going to certain houses. You don't need to be hanging out with certain friends. A lot of these things you will find on your list you can completely avoid, but you have to be honest with yourself and you have to understand, do I really want to put myself in the best position to win or do I want to try to do it my way? And I'm telling you what, a lot of people try to do it their way and it does not result, it doesn't end up in the in their best results that they could get. You know, it ends up getting them in trouble. Because a lot of people try to think, like, I'll speak for myself, I tried to see, like, how close I could get to danger, but still have the the willpower to avoid doing it anyway. And doing that, you're, you're proving absolutely nothing. There's no point of putting yourself in a bad spot, a bad position, 
just to see if you can handle it the right way. It's foolish. It's it's playing with fire. There's no reason to do it because there's going to come a time where you're not in a good space and those things are going to be in your life and you're going to end up making a really poor choice. It's just how life works. We're not always going to be feeling good. And we become vulnerable in certain spots. When these triggers show in our life, um, it, it can very easily lead back to getting high or drinking again. So, um, And if you can't avoid them, how can you cope with them? Right? Like, like, for instance, we can't avoid our emotions like anger or feeling lonely. You know, we can't avoid our, our homes, right? If your home is a place where you have certain triggers, but you can switch things around in your house, you know, you could decorate it differently. You can change some things. You can maybe get new furniture or paint it or give it a different look. You get what I'm saying? You got to get creative. You got to switch some things up. And um, I remember when I was 18, I went to rehab when I came back, my room was different. You know what I mean? Like my mom and my stepdad at the time, they, they did some work on the house and changed some things around. Now, of course I wasn't ready to get clean by any means, but that there was a purpose to that. You know what I mean? And we're visual creatures. So when things visually look different and we have a different look, it doesn't have the same effect it did when, it reminds us of a certain of a different time, you know what I mean? Because it looks different. So we got to switch some things up. Maybe your house, maybe your apartment. If you can't, if you can't just move, get up and leave, then of course you have to deal with where it is that you're living. And so maybe you need to switch some things up. And like I was saying about anger and loneliness, what are the things that you can do to cope with them? Maybe you need to go to a therapist. Maybe you need to definitely get some type of support network and go to meetings or go to outpatient or hiring a recovery coach, whatever the case may be, how can you cope with them? What activities can you get into? You know, that's kind of the third thing I want you to think about is what activities can you, can you get into to avoid boredom, right? To avoid sitting in your emotions that aren't doing anything positive for you. The idea isn't to get sober and then just like isolate and sit and, uh, your thoughts, your, your mind, like I said before, is not your friend in the beginning. So you got to move your ass. You got to get up and move a muscle to change a thought. Always remember that. Maybe you should write that down. Move a muscle to change a thought. When you're having bad thoughts, do not sit and invite them to stay. You got to move. You've got to do something. Get into journaling, get into exercise, get into sports, painting, drawing, whatever it is, whatever is your thing, you know, everybody has different, um, different interests and unique capabilities and and desires, but, um, meditation is a big one. Reading is, is obviously great depending on what you're reading and and self-help and things like that. Meditation, I'll tell you what, is one of the best things you could do for yourself. I meditate twice a day and I'll, I'll go a little bit deeper on meditation, um, in some, in, in a podcast in the future for sure. Cause it is that important. It is incredibly important. It's a game changer. You know, it's just, it does so much 
for our mind and our bodies and our spirituality and just looking at things in a different perspective and um, what it does to live in, you know, humility and gratitude and it's huge. So, um, and obviously talking with support, right? Having people that you can count on. And I'm going to continue to beat this drum over and over again because it's really important. The, the, the truth of the matter is that addiction equals isolationism. You know, addiction takes us away from everything. Addiction, uh, alcoholism, it takes us away from the world, from the things that we love, whether it be family or, or uh, our own interest, our jobs, our careers, whatever the case may be, our, our peace of mind. It takes us away from all that and it isolates us into our own little cave, our own little world. And so to combat that, just look at it this way. What's the reverse? How do you reverse engineer that? You get unified. You get you get people, you get a tribe of people that are trying to accomplish the same thing that you're trying to accomplish. And how do you do that? Well, how do you learn how to fish? You learn from the fisherman. You learn from someone who's done it. So we got to get plugged in. Just think, you know, addiction pulls us away, gets us disconnected from the world. And recovery is meant to get you plugged in. It's meant to get you plugged into the, to, uh, and be unified with people that are, that are trying to do the same thing. Don't just try to isolate and figure shit out on your own when, when there's, um, a blueprint for how to change, uh, what it is that you're battling, you know? Um, so those three things, you know, you got to come up with a list of how can you avoid these triggers? How can you cope with the ones that maybe you can't avoid? And what activities can you partake in to change your mindset with these things and to change your perspective? Another thing is like I like to do is uh, there is certain music, right, that, that obviously isn't a trigger that can make us feel good and can put us in a better mood and change our physiology and our thoughts and our emotions and um you know, put putting things in a different perspective and, you know, making a gratitude list is another great thing that we can do. So I want you to come up with a list of things where you're prepared because triggers aren't going anywhere, right? It's like some things, of course, we can avoid, like I said, but listen, the idea of recovery isn't to avoid everything in life. There's times where we're going to have to deal, <laughs> we're going to have to deal with life on life's terms and that's okay. But the idea too is to put yourself in the best position to win. And so, um, this is really important. And so, um, I, I definitely want you to put some, put some effort into writing a list and really thinking about how are you going to put yourself in the best position to win, you know? So I hope everybody enjoys, enjoyed this podcast and, uh, and I hope everybody has a great day and I will see you on the next one.